when you get there to think, do I belong here? What am I doing here? More now. I'm totally out of my own view. But you quickly learn that when you start to have conversations with people, that you've got something in common. I wanted to make sure there's still a bit here, so all the trails still. I like the idea of taking that first step. I have this idea that the kids these days need to do X, you know, or this uh, one kid in my class can't do Z, and I'm going to make a whole course to make sure that it's easy. Whether you're taking autism, Welcome to EdTrex Rewind. All right, we're here for another episode of the EdTrex podcast. This is Matt. Um, sadly, Quinn is not here today, but we are here with some wonderful guests from the Hope Street Group uh, Teaching Fellows Program. Um, we're going to go around the table. We'll start over here with Mike, or Michael, sorry. Sure, Michael. Okay, we'll start with Michael. Tell us, um, A, your name, where you're from, uh, what you teach, um, why you're here today, why you got involved with the Hope Street Group. Um, so my name is Michael Dunley, and I live in southern New Jersey along the coast, and I am a second grade teacher moving to third grade next year. It'll be my 16th year of teaching. Uh, my primary reason for getting involved with Hope Street Group was uh, being a classroom teacher and seeing so much policy coming out of the federal and state departments of ed and seeing some unintended consequences from those policies. I wanted to become involved in conversations that uh, impacted policy or were surrounded the implementation of policy so that I could minimize uh, damage and, and increase the outcomes for students and for the profession itself. Excellent. Good to have you here. Please, Melissa. Hi, I'm Melissa Tracy. I'm from Wilmington, Delaware. I teach at Odyssey Charter School. It's a dual language Greek charter school. Uh, we are essentially a K through 11th grade school. We'll eventually be a K through 12th grade school. We're one of only a few dual language Greek schools in the country. So starting in kindergarten, our students pursue either a partial or full immersion uh, Greek language program. I teach 9th, 10th, and 11th grade social studies. I teach uh, ninth grade global civics and human geography, advanced placement human geography, um, an advanced placement comparative government course, and a college level U.S. history course. Um, I am incredibly passionate about global studies, and it's really just embedded into our curriculum. Outside of the classroom, um, I take kids on three day trips uh, to the United Nations where they get to do actual simulations. Um, I also feel um, very strongly about <clears throat> civic engagement. And so I'm always seeking out opportunities for my students to just essentially learn about how our democracy works, whether it's at the very local level, working in a garden and doing service learning, or spending time down in Legislative Hall. I became uh, involved in Hope Street Group because um, I just wanted to be a change agent in my community, but I didn't have the necessary tools to do so. I didn't know how to do simple things like, how do we put together a survey? How do we lead a focus group? Uh, and so, so through my participation with the fellowship, I was able to develop those particular skill sets, um, and it ended up being such an incredible experience, um, so much so that I decided to come back as a member of the advisory council. Um, I'm Lynette Jorgensen. I'm from, well, I live in Salt Lake City. I'm from Ogden, um, and I don't quite claim Salt Lake yet, but that's okay. <laughs> um, I recently, for the last few years, I've been teaching at a charter school, itinerous early college charter school. In West Jordan, this next year, I'm going to be moving to East High School. I am a social studies teacher, so I teach uh, mostly world history, as well as um, next year I'll be adding AP World and Civics. Um, I've taught pretty much every social studies topic that you can in Utah. And um, the reason I got involved with Hope Street, there's a couple things. First of all, I recognized a few years ago 
that there were very few teacher voice, voices on our State Board of Education. And I thought, well, that seems very strange. And I thought, well, how much teacher voice is really involved in policy? And I started thinking about that and getting excited about it. And then I got my ESL master's and realized how much advocacy was needed for, um, for speakers of different languages, uh, for ELLs, ELs, whatever it is that you call them, um, especially in my school, but also in the state and, and, and nationwide. And so I got involved in that advocacy and realized how much I didn't know and heard about Hope Street. I actually wrote a little post-it to myself. It was like my second year of teaching. I wrote a post-it to myself and I said, get involved with Hope Street when you're older. And, um, and then I, when I heard about the teacher fellows for Utah, I got really excited and um, it was just like kind of made for me exactly what I was looking for. So that's how I got involved. Nice. Hi, my name is Esther Park and I teach at an elementary school on a military base on the island of Oahu in Hawaii. Um, I teach a gifted and talented enrichment course for grades two through five. And through that, I've been starting to explore more about the global goals and design thinking, and I'm really interested in learning more. Um, I joined Hope Street Group because I wanted to uh, expand on my knowledge about education policy and to really grow and network with folks from outside of Hawaii and to learn from their experiences as well. And also if I really um, want to model how to be a leader and how to be a creator of positive change, I need to do that outside of my classroom for my students. It's wonderful. And that kind of modeling behavior is something that I'm sure all of us in this room can agree upon. I mean, that's why, part of the reason why we're here, why when we grow up, we want to be a part of the whole street group. Um, so let's start with the big question in the room about global citizenry and economy. Um, what does a global citizen look like in your classroom? What does that mean? Um, you know, it gets bandied around quite a bit as a terminology. Um, kind of like summative and informative assessments. We just talked about that in the last session. Um, but what does that actually mean to be a global citizen in your classroom? Whoever wants to jump in. So I, um, I had to, an opportunity to do a global learning project this fall, which involved the climate action change, and it was uh, run by Cohn Zimmers from Belgium. And it involved 69 countries. Um, I think 250 schools participated, and it was a pretty intensive... Um, experience for the students, but what underlines to answer your question directly is that at the beginning of it I asked my students how many languages they thought there were in the world, and these second graders from rural southern New Jersey said two, English and Spanish. Um, and I went on further, I said, well, what do you think they speak in Spain, thinking that it would be an obvious connection that I could lead into a conversation and they couldn't tell me Spanish. And through our interaction with this international project, the students came to learn that there's over 6,900 live languages on the planet. And through the interaction with over 10 different countries that we were able to Skype directly with or Zoom with or Google Hangout with, they were able to sample 10 different languages spoken by children who were bilingual. And I think the children understanding that there was a wider world and that there's issues and changes and actions that they do in everyday life that impacts someone on a different continent was a great way for them to start to understand how they not just are, are citizens of a bigger world, but that they're impactors on that bigger world. And our district's um, mission statement is simple. It's that we are empathetic, innovative game changers. 
And the students have since petitioned the superintendent to change it so that it says we are empathetic, innovative, world changers. Because hmm. they said this is not a game. So I think just having them become aware in my classroom is one of the biggest ways, being that they're so early in their, their education, being aware that there's so, such a, a dominoes effect that if you buy shampoo in the supermarket that involves palm oil, you're affecting the rainforest on, you know, on the South American continent. Or if you're eating red meat, you're affecting the de deforestation of another area of the world. So they're just becoming so much more conscious about how they impact the world you know, as a whole. That's beautiful, that idea of just simple awareness mm -hmm. in the classroom of uh, whether it be languages to action and then taking action. And I love that difference of game changer to world changer. That's wonderful. So I, I personally think that social studies teachers play a really important role in the cultivation of uh, uh, the essential skills that are needed to be a global citizen. I teach in an incredibly tiny state. Um, we don't even have a million people. We literally have more chickens than people. Um, and so I'm always seeking out opportunities to think, get my kids to, to get beyond kind of the local level um, so that there is some sort of local to global continuum. I know that um, in my own experience, um, I've been very fortunate in that I've had opportunities to teach in other countries. So I've taught, I taught briefly in Poland, I've taught in Thailand, and then I taught at a British school in New Delhi where I was teaching students who came from all around the world and had such different viewpoints on um, various aspects of, you know, of like even like a history class. Um, and so I recognize that for some of my students, they may not have the means to travel. Um, some of them have never even really left our state. Um, maybe they've never had a chance to visit New York City. And so I'm always just seeking out opportunities to help them become global citizens. So whether it's connecting with students in another part of the world virtually, um, or um, taking my kids to different conferences where they get to interact with students from all around the world. Uh, one of the things that we did in our um, classroom this year, in my AP Human Geography class, is I had my students study uh, sustainability, and then we were looking at our uh, meal, uh, our, our meal program at school. And then what I had them do is they actually connected with students in Berlin. And so they were you know, taking pictures of their food, they were talking about um, the source of their food. And, and you know, in the States, it's a little bit different, especially if you participate in you know, the, the federal lunch program. Like sometimes you don't have as much choice uh, in respect to what it is that you're eating in the cafeteria. And then what was really interesting for the students um, is to hear, well, this is what um, our food program looks like in Berlin. And we try to make sure that we're consuming organic produce or that we're only consuming produce within a certain number of miles of the city. Um, and we actually help cook and prepare some of our meals. So just for the students to have that opportunity to have an exchange back and forth was really powerful. And it trumps anything that I might try to do in the classroom. So was that exchange done through social media or what? So some of it was done through social media and then some of it was done through like an online learning platform. Uh, which one? Uh, that's a good question. I'm drawing a blank <laughs> on it. I was working with the, the Goethe Institute. Oh, okay. okay. I'm, I'm just always fascinated by yeah. how teachers are making that, that jump between mm -hmm. the, the tangible classroom the students have right in front of them to the global classroom in Berlin or Kenya or India or wherever it might be. Yeah. 
Um, I know a lot of teachers this year are gearing up to use Flipgrid and things like that because mm-hmm. that just became a free tool. Yeah. So I was just interested. Um, yeah, you- I was, uh, I, I, I was a, uh, a fellow in 2012 with the Goethe Institute, the mm-hmm. Transatlantic Outreach Program. Mm-hmm. And so I had a chance to go to Germany for a couple weeks. After that, I hosted an exchange student um, in my home for a year, and she was from Berlin. So I kind of developed these ties with Germany. And then a few years later, they basically just sent out an email and said, hey, if you're interested in connecting your students with some students in a uh, a school in Germany, let us know. That's amazing. It was that simple. And they helped to make that connections. And then I just started corresponding with the teacher, and and we co-designed a curriculum that we were able to implement in our classes. It's wonderful. It's lovely how global ed and a lot of other types of ed as well, but global ed in particular, snowballs. You do one thing and then all of a sudden, it's all coming out. Well, what do you think? Um, I think going back to that, I've not done anything as amazing as this. <laughs> so she's done. Um, but going back to that idea of what a global citizen is, um, especially when I got my, my master's in ESL, I noticed and I read a lot about just the changing demographic of our country, and especially also in the state of Utah with the amount of diversity is, and that being a majority minority area is going to become more and more likely, and that being a global citizen doesn't even just mean being um, global anymore. It's like your neighborhood, and and especially for my students as I, as I teach at East High, in Salt Lake, downtown Salt Lake, with so much diversity. Like being a global citizen sometimes just means being able to get along with all the people in your neighborhood because you have Somali refugees and you have um, you have Lebanese refugees and you have uh, people who immigrated from Mexico and you have so many people. You have Polynesians, you have so many people that being able to equip, what I focused on in my classroom is I've used something called Generation Global to connect them with um, other classrooms across the world where they discuss certain topics and they're moderated and and they can have Skype chats as well. Um, But when it just comes down to skills, I just am trying really hard to make sure that my students know how to have productive dialogue, Mm -hmm. that they know how to listen to people, that they know how to respectfully disagree with someone. And I think that those simple tools are so important that they can take to all those places. And if they have them, they can talk to people from all different places, even if they don't know a lot, a lot about Lebanon, or they, even if they don't know a lot about Somalia, they can take those skills and they can use them to be a global citizen in all kinds of situations. Awesome. Um, so I think it starts with curiosity and helping students develop this desire to understand and think deeply about the world around them. Um, and in my elementary classroom, we work on like how to formulate questions so that you can start those dialogues, right? So one activity I did with my students from grades two to five uh, was I showed a series of photos from Peter Menzel's Material World, a global family portrait collection. So you have photos of families outside of what they call their home with all of their material possessions. And so I opened it up to the students to develop their own questions based on what their initial thoughts were, different topics that came up. And it's just a way to help students craft those questions that they can use to start those conversations. So a couple of examples I can share regarding like wealth and culture would be like, how do people know what they need and want? And how do they know the difference? Um, Is it based on their culture where they live in? And another student posed, so why do people generally have the same stuff? I see that like so many families from all over the world have TVs, but they have completely different lifestyles. So these are some of the questions that you might 
um, here from an elementary classroom that really starts to expose them to start thinking about how they can dialogue with other people about the world. So the other thing I, I would chime in, um, when I think about what it means to be a global citizen, um, so one word that always comes to mind is empathy. So I work really hard to develop um, the empathy within my students. And so one initiative uh, that we pursued at my school is we did a, uh, essentially just did a big fundraiser to help, um, to essentially help build a hand pump and a well for a school in Liberia. What's so powerful about it is that we're able to engage the kindergartners all the way through the 11th graders. And with the younger students, it started off with something really simple. Africa is not a, uh, a country, it is a continent. This is where Liberia is located. Liberia is a place that was impacted by Ebola, but here's another side to the country. This is what their currency looks like. You're passing it around with the students. Um, and then um, we, we identified a, a school of significant need, and it's located about eight hours outside of the capital. Uh, and it's in a very, very rural community. And so the students, what we're able to do is show them pictures. Like the students right now are drinking from a very contaminated river. And this is their only access to water. And it takes them this amount of time to, you know, to even get water that they can then bring back to their village. And so one thing that we're thinking about doing is, is trying to come up with a solution. And even if you ask, we ask the younger kids, well, what would the solution look like? They're like, well, we have to help them get clean water. Well, how can we do that? All right, so let's find out how much would it cost to build a hand pump. Um, and so then our, our school set a goal. And the other really cool thing that happened is so much when we talk about connecting our students, we talk about it in a, in a virtual setting. Um, but we also did a really old school um, pen pal uh, like letter exchange. And because the school was in such a rural location, we literally had to wait for one of the uh, the volunteers with the organization actually bring them back on the plane. Uh, but it was so cool and powerful for like the younger students, our third and fourth graders, to then open up those letters and to read them. And then, you know, we had our um, students talk about like what it means to attend a Greek school, even though most of our students are not Greek, and like talking about their home life. And so we've sent back those letters. Um, and then on top of it, I had students in my diversity club who then pushed into the different classrooms and spent time talking about Liberia. So it was just an opportunity for all of our students to interact with each other and to really feel like they are actually uh, um, doing, uh, doing good. And it was something so concrete and tangible um, that like you can actually show them like this is what the hand pump looks like now. This is the impact that you've had in another part of the world. It's amazing. Um, I have so many thoughts and unfortunately we're like almost out of time, but like I love like the idea of being able to walk out your front door and like just getting into like what Lynette said, being in the same community or, or what Esther said about design thinking and like how that applies to things like what Melissa you're doing and, and what you're doing, Michael, as well uh, with PBL and trying to get the kids outside of their normal routines of classwork. It's, it's a beautiful thing to see. Um, you guys are obviously doing great work in your classroom. Where can people find you on the internets? Uh, let's start over here with Mike, please. So on Twitter, I am at, <clears throat> at Michael J. Dunley, D-U-N-L-E-A. And he is a solid follow. I didn't realize I followed you until today. Uh, like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, your name sounds so funny. Oh, that's yeah. yeah. I will follow you. Follow me. <laughs> I'm, I'm also active on Twitter. Um, so my handle is at Liss L. Blair, L-I-S-S-L. Blair spelled B L A I R. 
Um, and I'm, I'm also active on Twitter. Professionally, that's pretty much where I go. And it's just at Lynette Jorgensen, which is L-Y-N-E-T-T-E-Y-O-R-G-A-S-O-N. I didn't realize I followed you too. Hey! Yeah, we're Twitter <laughs> friends. Um, and Esther, where can we find you? At Hawaii Est, so Hawaii, and then E-S-T at the end. Awesome. Um, thank you so much for being here today, guys. Really appreciate your time, and uh, hopefully sometime we can have a longer, long-form global ed conversation. Yeah, I think we scratched the surface. Yeah, oh yeah, we were just like, <laughs> yeah, very much. Thanks, guys. Appreciate thank it. Thank you very much.